Just want to welcome you, whether you're joining us in person uh, or you're watching online. Also want to say a big hello to all the men and women joining us in our correctional ministry. We love you guys. We believe in you. God's still got a plan for your life. And so come on, D-Town. Let me welcome our church family today. Come on, let them know. So good. Well, today, my goal is to accomplish three different things in our time together. And first, I want to give you some thoughts as to where we are going uh, in the weeks ahead, these next couple of months as a church. Um, you know, as, as a pastor, my, my job is to shepherd and to lead us to green pastures. And we eat on different hillsides as seasons change. And just like the weather has gotten a little cold outside and the season has uh, kind of changed. We are heading into a new season as a church, you know, coming out of our Out of the, at the Movies series and heading into Christmas and, and uh, getting ready to start the new year. And so uh, I'll talk just a little bit about where we're going as a church. And then secondly, today is Legacy Sunday. And so I'll talk just a little bit. I've already been preparing us for today and talking a lot about it. But uh, I'll talk just a little bit uh, of what this means to us as a church and why it's so special. And then finally, I do have a message that God's laid in my heart that I think every single one of us will be able to relate to. And so those are the, my, my goal to, to accomplish those three things in uh, the next three and a half hours. It's going to be great, our time together. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. But uh, let's just jump into it. Let me give us some kind of important dates and some calendar items to kind of give us a little snapshot as to where we're going in the next few weeks. Starting with on December 18th, Sunday, December 18th, we are doing something we've never done before. We're calling it Carols and Communion. And so for those two services on that Sunday morning, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., we are uh, putting a greater emphasis on carols. Who loves Christmas carols in the place? Anybody? Anybody loves some good old Christmas carols? Joy to the world. Grandma got ran over by the reindeer. I mean, we're going to be singing it all. And so that is your Sunday to come. And, and I'll be preaching a, a message. I think I'm going to talk about joy to the world, the reason why he came and I mean, you know, happiness has to do with what happens around us, but joy talks about what's happening in us. And so I'm, I'm going to talk about it then, and, and then we'll just spend some time just kind of pausing and reflecting and remembering the goodness of God in our lives, and we'll be taking communion together as a church. It's going to be a special time in God's presence. And then the following week, that'll lead us into our Christmas candlelight services uh, and we'll have five identical services this year starting on December 23rd. That's a Friday at 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. And then on Christmas Eve, December 24th at 3, 5, and 7. And I am excited about Christmas this year. Our team uh, has been planning and preparing. And I just I can't wait to come together and celebrate the birth of our Savior together. And then I do want us to know, uh, since Christmas is on a Sunday, we will not have any uh, services on that Sunday. We'll be just getting done doing the five Christmas candlelight services. And so uh, enjoy your family on Christmas Day. 
Then the following Sunday on January 1st, New Year's Day, we're not going to have any in-person services, but we will have a special church at home service for you. Our worship team will be leading us in worship. I'll be preaching a message. I'm going to be talking about some things we need to leave behind in 2022 uh, that are not meant to go with us into 2023. And so make sure that you you uh, tune in for that. And then the following uh, Sunday, January 8th, we will resume our in-person services like normal, and we're going to start the new year off with a, uh, a new message series where we focus on the power of prayer, and that will kick off uh, our annual 21 days of prayer and fasting on January 9th through the 29th. This is something we've done every single year in the history of the church. This will be our 12th year doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm just saying God always, always does exceedingly and abundantly more than we can think, ask, or even imagine as we make room for him to move in our lives. And so we start the year off by saying, God, you're first. You're first in our family. You're first in our lives. You're first in our year. You are first. And so Something we're doing uh, this year that we've never done before is we're making a greater emphasis on prayer. And so we're going to be offering um, prayer uh, every single day during the 21 days uh, of prayer and fasting. And what that looks like is Monday through Friday, we'll meet right here at 6 a.m. in the morning. From 6 a.m. to 7 a.m., we'll be praying in this place. Our worship team will be leading us in worship. We'll have a short devotional, and then we're just going to storm heaven and here's my promise to you. We'll start at 6 a.m. and we'll end at 7 a.m. Monday through Friday. Saturdays will be here from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. And, of course, Sundays will be here for church services. And I just, I'm, I'm putting that on our calendar now because two things. I, I think we can get the most out of fasting if we're prepared for it. And secondly, when we posture and we position ourselves for God to move in a powerful way in our lives, how many of us know he always does? In fact, the Bible gives us this promise that when we draw near to God, what does he do? He draws near to us. And I don't know about you, but moving into this new year, I'm desperate for God to move in my life. I want to know him in a greater way. And so I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to be strategic. And I'm going to grow closer to him on purpose. And so I'm going to make room for him to move in my life. And I want to encourage all of us to do the same. But today... As I mentioned earlier, today is Legacy Sunday, and the reason why we call it Legacy is because if you're taking notes, Legacy is what people remember when we're gone. Le legacy is what people remember about our life, and the Bible tells us this is an important topic for us to think about. In fact, this topic is throughout Scripture, and God is constantly reminding us to make the most of every opportunity that we've been given. To, to be careful how we live, not as unwise, but as wise. Reminding us to live for what really matters most. And, and understanding that we would live our lives, that, that we, we know that life goes fast. How many know that to be true? I feel like the older I get, the more that becomes a reality, right? That life goes by quick here on earth. The Bible says it's here one minute, and then it's gone the next. It's like a mist of vapor. And so we want to make the most of every opportunity that God has given to us. And in all reality, if I'm really honest, I wish I would have started thinking like this 
uh, a lot sooner in my life. I don't know about you, for years, I just lived for the moment. I just lived in the day. I just woke up, and I was kind of like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the circumstances and the situations of my day. But the, the more I've dug into the truth of God's word, the more I've gotten closer to him, the more I realize God wants us to live with purpose, to live with intentionality, to have this legacy mindset and not live for today, but understanding the choices we make today determine the lives that we live tomorrow and that we are going to leave a legacy. We're leaving something behind. The question is, what are we leaving behind? What, what, what lives are we living? And so legacy is what people remember when we're gone. The psalmist said, psalmist said it like this in Psalms 112, Verse 6, he said, those who are righteous will be remembered forever. And so the question is, what do we want to be remembered for? What do we want people to say about us when they think about us? You know, I, I, I came across this statistic that I wanted to share with us today. And I, I, I discovered, uh, according to, to one website, that there's a 100% chance that, that we're all going to die someday. Aren't you glad you came to church so I can encourage you with that amazing information? But, but what do we want to be remembered for? Because th throughout the Bible, God is he's encouraging us. He's challenging us. He's, he's, he's commanding us to, to live our lives in such a way that they would outlive us, that we would make a difference in the world around us. That's legacy living. And today when you came in, hopefully you were given a, a, a little booklet and inside this uh, legacy booklet, if you will, is just a snapshot uh, of some of the things that God has been able to do in and through this church in 2022 alone. Everything that has happened in here happened in the first 10 months of 2022. We were working on this booklet in November, and so, uh, but gives you some, some just a snapshot of, of what God is doing, what we're a part of. How many know we're a part of something bigger than just us? That together we're a part of something amazing, and that God is doing an incredible work. And so I want to encourage you that, that maybe you take some time today or the next few days just to kind of read through all that God has done this year alone. And how many of us know we're not done yet? But as you read through it, maybe, maybe what happened in me will happen in you. Like I was inspired. My faith was kind of stirred and, and strengthened. And I was reminded, man, God is moving in and through this place. And today I didn't want to go through all the numbers, but I just wanted to highlight one number from this booklet and what God has, has already done through this church in the first 10 months of the year. And that is this, that we've been able to give over $199,000 beyond our walls outside of the church in the first 10 months of this year alone. I mean, we're not done yet. And, and we were able to give this, these finances away to 26 different organizations or initiatives. And I wanted to share them with us today just to kind of give us a picture of the magnitude of what we're a part of. And so this year alone, we've already given to the Correction Center of Northwest Ohio. We've already given to different outreach events serving our community. We've already given to the retreat at Church Creek, pouring into leaders and pastors around the country. We've already given to Convoy of Hope, Project Respect, Relevant Church, the Defiance Dream Center, 
the Belize Central Prison. We've already given to Serve Day, serving our community. We've already started new churches by giving to the Association of Related Churches. We've already given to LifeWise Academy and Northwest Ohio ESC and Children's Lantern and single moms and widows in our community. We've already given to the God Cares Outreach in Belize. We've given to Children's Cub. We've already given to First Church of God in our community so that they could do community outreach. We've given to, to Ravens Care and Defiant City Schools teachers and staff, Ayersville City Schools teachers and staff. We even gave to Tenora. Come on, I mean, God is moving. Wow. I didn't know about that till right now, but they slipped that one in there. We've given to Purpose Church. We're planning a church, helping plan a church in Phoenix, Arizona. We, we, we've already given to Firm, supporting Israel. We've already given to Reliant Mission, supporting missionaries that we're sending out from our church. Come on, we're sending out missionaries into the nations to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've already given to Lily Creek Farms and we've already given to the Defiance Area YMCA. Come on, can we give God some praise for what we get to be a part of? So good. Now, now that's what we've already done. You know, I'll never forget this uh, beautiful couple came to me when we were, we were making the, the move from the Defiance YMCA and being a portable church and moving into Northtown Mall and having our own permanent facility. And this beautiful couple came up to me and they just wanted to express some concern. Like they just said, Pastor, we're excited about the new building. We're excited about making the move, but we're just concerned that when we move into our own space, we'll no longer be an outward reaching church. We're just concerned that we'll start to become inward and just kind of doing things in the house. Doesn't look like it to me. Come on, somebody. Right? Why? Because this isn't what we do. It's who we are. That we're a church that God has called us to go beyond the walls and take the gospel of Jesus Christ into the nations, back into our community, our nation, and our world to give away what we've, what we've been given. Right? This, this is the church God's called us to be. It's not what we do. It's who we are. And that's what we've already done. But... There's a couple reasons why we, we have a Legacy Sunday and why we have a Legacy Offering. And it's not because we haven't already done a lot because we have. It's because there's still more, so much more to do. How I many know that heaven and hell are real and people are going there? And God's called us to grow heaven and to shrink hell and, 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 and come alongside hurting and, and broken people, people who are lost, people who just are desperate for the love and the hope that only Jesus can give to them. That's why. And another reason why we have a Legacy Sunday and a Legacy Offering is because I think it's the heart of God. How many of us know that God gave it all? And that Jesus modeled what true generosity looks like. Laying down his life for others. And so as followers of Jesus that we'd follow in his footsteps and we would live generous lives. I, I just think God is looking for people who are willing to be his hands and, and his feet. And that's why we have a legacy offering. It, it, it's, it's a way of, of us saying it's not about us. It's about others. And I've been talking about a legacy offering for several weeks now. I've already been preparing us for such a time as this, if you will. But I do just want to briefly highlight the four legacy lanes that we give to. This is modeled after Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But lanes bring focus, 
They bring clarity and they bring intentionality. And so our legacy offering goes to these four lanes that I want to briefly highlight for us today. The first lane is our local missions. I, I just want to be honest with you. I, I've always had a burden. Like I think we should be called to reach the nations and take the gospel uh, across the, the globe. But I feel a strong mandate as a pastor that we should take care of our own backyard too. That we should, we should pour back into our community. I almost feel a, a stronger pull to, to really reach our community and take care of our own backyard. And so in our local missions lane, uh, this consists of the Defiance Dream Center. is a huge, huge advocate, a huge way we, we reach uh, our local community. And, and by the way, God has opened up some incredible doors that, that only he can in our middle schools and in our high schools. To be able to come alongside students and help them discover their purpose and help them develop a life plan that really is directing them to Jesus. And the schools are asking us to do it. They've invited us in where we take up uh, class time, the whole class, and teach them about purpose. Well, we all know where purpose comes from. It comes from Jesus. It doesn't come from just a career or just doing this. Jesus is the one that brings purpose and fulfillment and direction into our lives. And, and this is just such a, a beautiful thing that God is doing that the Defiance Dream Center gets to be a part of. And, and maybe you notice one of the organizations we support um, in our community is LifeWise Academy. And if you're not familiar with LifeWise Academy, it's an amazing, amazing I'll say it again, amazing organization where they teach our elementary students about Jesus. They give them the gospel. And the way it works is uh, that the students in our elementary school have the option uh, because the principal gave them an option. Either they can sit in a study hall room, the most boring study hall room ever, or they can ride a bus over to the YMCA, shout out YMCA, who we also partner with, and they have opened up the space in their building to allow elementary kids to come in and hear and get taught about Jesus. And so I think it's around 98% of our elementary kids at Defiance Elementary go to LifeWise Academy, right? So every week they're getting bussed over to the YMCA to hear about Jesus. Well, as we talked with the director of LifeWise, Joel Pinton, great man of God, uh, he, he expressed how God is moving in our elementary schools, but there's a gap because after they get out of elementary and they're in middle school and high school, they lose them. And there's a gap in opportunity. But how many of us know the vision of the Dream Center is to see a need, meet a need? And so we saw an opportunity and a need to come alongside our middle school and high school students, and God is opening doors. I'm just saying no man can shut. So it's an incredible what God is doing at the Dream Center. Also in our local missions lane is, uh, is our correctional ministry, and our prayer is that we would continue to see God set the captive free. How many know that's the heart of God? To set the captive free. And the truth is, all of us were captive at one point. Whether we were in jail or not, a lot of us were incarcerated in our own hearts, but God sets the captive free, and we're believing for God to do even more than he's already done. In fact, I just got a letter this past week from a girl in, in, in Paulde County uh, who who's just wrote to say thank you for uh, the, the option that I still, can still watch the services even while I'm incarcerated and still be a part of the church even though I've made mistakes. Come on, God has called us to, to reach beyond these walls 
into those places and see God do what only he can do. And then also we support local ministry partnerships. I mean, we're not the only church. We're not the only ministry impacting our community. And our heart, our goal is to be a part of the Big C Church. And we want every church and every ministry in our city to thrive. And so we support them financially and, and through other ways as well. So that's the first lane. The second lane that our, our legacy offering goes towards is our national missions. And here our initiative is to start new churches. We, we come alongside and support struggling churches. And then we even give to disaster relief, convoy of hope different tornadoes or devastating things that have happened in our nation. We, we, we don't have to wait. We don't have to think about it. We have finances set aside that we can give as soon as tragedy strikes. Convoy of Hope is already on the ground and we can support and get resources to those who are in need. And then the third lane that, that our legacy offering goes to is our international missions. You hear us talk a lot about the country of Belize, how God is moving in and, and, and the Belize Central Prison, starting dream centers, partnering with local pastors, supporting the local church in the country of Belize. We just sent a team down that got back last week where they, uh, they drove a, a shipping container full of medical supplies all the way down through Mexico, all the way down to the country of Belize. And so we're constantly doing things. And I would just encourage you that you hear us talk a lot about it. But if you can make time to go see it for yourself, in fact, our team got back, uh, and it was the first time many of them had, had been to Belize. They came back so fired up because they've heard us talk about it, but then they went and saw it firsthand. Not only the need, but the work and the impact that we're making in the country of Belize, it's, it's only God. Somebody say only God. Only God. And, and so we're going to be taking some more missions trips this summer and in and, and, and the days ahead, in the future. So make sure you make plans to, to jump in on one. Even as a family, uh, it's powerful what God does in us and through us on those things. And then also in our international missions lane, we support Israel. We just feel like we're mandated from Scripture to, to support God's people. And so it's a priority to us. And, and then finally, the, the last lane that, that our legacy offering goes towards is experience projects. And this year, we're highlighting the next generation. If you were with us uh, uh, a few weeks ago, I, I preached uh, a sermon talking about fighting for our families and the need that the next generation has. And so we just feel called by God to invest in a greater way in our youth and in our students. How many know they're really not the next generation, they're the now generation? We just feel like we need, to, we need to make a greater effort to come alongside our, our youth. And so as we give at the end of service today, my hope as a pastor is, my prayer is that all of us would participate in some way, shape, or form. And we'd just be obedient to whatever God would maybe put on our hearts. But, but as we do, I do want us to remember this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. And that is, when all of us do a little, together we do a lot. When all of us do a little, together we do a lot. And as we kind of just continue on this legacy theme, I, I, I want to uh, just kind of share a brief message and uh, the remainder of our time together as we enter into the Christmas season, as we celebrate the birth of our Savior. I want to kind of just uh, propose a question to us, maybe, maybe a question that we've asked ourselves at one time or another, and, and that is simply this. What can we give God. As we celebrate Jesus' birthday here in a few weeks, one of the best ways to celebrate Christmas is 
by giving something to Jesus. Now, now some of us might say that, that we don't have anything to, to give, but nothing could be further from the truth. And I, I want to study a story in the Bible that shows us that, that we can give something to Jesus for Christmas. And one of my, my favorite stories that's woven into the Christmas story involves the Magi, or also known as the wise men. Now, now typically in our nativity scenes, we, we always show three wise men, but I hate to break it to us today. Um, there were three gifts given to Jesus, but most scholars believe that there would have been around 50 wise men because that's historically how they would have traveled. And while I'm just on the kick of messing up our Christmas traditions, uh, the wise men weren't there in the stable. They didn't see Jesus lying in the manger. They more than likely showed up to meet Jesus when he was more like two years old. But, but don't go home and throw away your nativity scenes, right? I, they, the, the wise men are still a beautiful part of the Christmas story. In fact, I was, I was talking with one of our staff members this past week, and he he was sharing with me how when, when they set up their uh, nativity scene in their front yard, they always put the wise men on the other side of the yard just to be more biblically accurate. But they still, they still play a, a beautiful part of the Christmas story. But, but truth be told, it, it was more than likely when Jesus uh, was two years old that they showed up on the scene right before Jesus and his family would eventually flee to Egypt because King Herod at the time had, had found out through a prophetic word that a new king was, was going to be born. And, and King Herod was afraid that this new king was going to come and take his throne. Now, now we know that Jesus didn't come to be an earthly king. He, he came to be a heavenly king. But, but because of this, King Herod issued this decree or this, this law, if you will, that every male child two years old and under was to be executed. And so Jesus and his family would eventually flee to Egypt to avoid, obviously, uh, being killed. And, but before, just before that, uh, the wise men were traveling and they were following this, this star that was glowing in the sky. Now, what's interesting is the wise men were actually uh, astrologers. They, they, they were actually pagan priests who were looking for something. But they weren't followers of Jesus. They, they didn't follow the Torah. They, 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 weren't, they, they weren't Israelites. They were pagan priests who, who were looking for something, but they weren't even sure what that something was. They, they were just hungry for something more. The reality is that's true of us, true for some of us today. We're searching for something, but, but we're not even sure what that something is. We're hungry for something more, and that's the exact place the wise men found themselves in. And we pick up the story in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. And we can read all about his birth in Matthew chapter 1. But Jesus has, has already been born. That The manger scene is, is done. And, and Jesus was born, born during the, the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? 
We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to, we've come to worship him. Well, the wise men are following this, this star, looking for this newborn king, and they end up in King Herod's palace to try and get advice on how they can find this, this, this king that was coming. And Herod uh, tries to trick them and get them to tell, tell him where is this new uh, king going to be born. And during this conversation with these wise men, the wise men discern and they, they pick up on the fact that King Herod has different motives than they do. And so the Bible goes on to tell us in Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, that the wise men went their own way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. They would continue to travel for around two more years after this encounter with King Herod. And so as they were going after Jesus, it, it, it's important for us to understand, it wasn't like they saw this star in the sky and all of a sudden, boom, skadoosh, there is Jesus laying in a manger. Scholars actually say that they would have traveled over 1,000 miles probably either on horses or camels, and they would have traveled, it would have taken them over two years to make this journey. It goes on to say, it went ahead of them, the star, and it stopped over the place where the child was. You see, we read scripture, and this is two sentences, but it was two years of traveling that they went, were a part of. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. You, after, how many know after searching for Jesus for two years when it finally stops, how many you get a little excited? We're finally there, right? We, when families, parents, when we tell our kids, we're there. How excited our kids get, finally we're there. And they entered not a stable. They didn't see a manger. They entered the house and they saw the child with his mother, Mary. The wise men didn't see a baby. They saw a little boy and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, I'm not going to spend time teaching on it today, but these, these gifts were significant. You see, see, gold would have represented a gift that you would give to a king. And so this spoke to the royalty of Jesus. Frankincense was an incense that you would burn to, to worship deity. So it spoke to the fact that that Jesus wasn't an ordinary man. And then, we, and then myrrh was a burial spice. And so we, we, we see that these, these gifts foretold the life of Jesus. And they didn't even know it. But these gifts spoke to Jesus' royalty, his deity, and his humanity. Now we might think to ourselves, man, how incredible was that to present these amazing gifts to Jesus, like, man, I would love, I don't even have any gold, right? I don't have any of these things to give to Jesus, but, but I want to propose to us today that the wise men actually gave three different things to Jesus that were just as significant as these gifts, maybe even more. And usually we miss the three other things that they gave because we get so focused on these Gifts, but I want to kind of unpack the story and, and bring these three things that they gave to Jesus because there are three things each and every one of us can give to. And I want to encourage us, let's give these things to Jesus for Christmas this year. And so if you're taking notes, 
the first thing the wise men gave to Jesus that we can give to him as well is, number one, we can give God our, our hope. How I many know putting your hope in something is a big deal? We see it in relationships all the time, don't we? Putting my hope in someone else. Marriage is such a beautiful thing because there is a, there is a level of vulnerability. There, there, there's, a, there's a level of having to trust and put my hope in, into someone. How many know when we put our hope in something, there's, a, there's an option of, of being hurt or, or, or being wounded by it. It's a big deal to put our hope in things. It's an even bigger deal to put our hope in God. But, but how many of us know that, that hope doesn't focus on the limitations of today, but instead it looks ahead to the possibilities of tomorrow? Hope's not focused on today. Hope looks to the future. And the, the Bible said that these wise men followed a star. These astrologers, these pagan priests, they didn't even know where they were fully going. They didn't even understand where they were going. They didn't know how long the journey would be. They didn't even know what it would look like when they finally got there, and yet they had this hope and this anticipation that they were, they were going to discover something greater than they'd ever experienced before. And the wise men followed this, this star, and I started thinking, like, when, when do stars appear? They appear in the, the darkness of night, don't they? And I would submit to us that, that every time it's dark in our lives, we have a choice either to follow the darkness or to follow the light. And hope says, I, I might be in a, in a dark time in my life, and I don't always understand why God's allowing me to go through what I'm, what I'm going through. I, I'm confused. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm discouraged. I'm lonely. And it's, it's dark right now in my life. But yet I, I choose to put my hope in you, God. I'm really honest, man, this, I feel like this is when God changed my life. When I, uh, when I made this shift from just knowing about God, from doing religious things to making the decision on the inside of my heart to say, God, I'm choosing to put my hope in you. Let's take a look at it in, in scripture. The psalmist said it like this in Psalms 42, verse five. He's asking these questions. I think maybe all of us have asked at one time or another in our lives, maybe we verbalized it a little bit or phrased it a little bit differently, but he says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Other versions say, why is my heart so heavy? Have you ever asked yourself this question or, or maybe you've asked this question, why am I going through what I'm going through? Where are you, God? Why, why is this happening to me? Anybody ever asked that? Come on, talk to me, church. I've asked this question before, and I want to point out the psalmist never got an answer. He never got an answer. You, you know why? Because he didn't need one. It wouldn't have done anything. I remember when my father passed away when I was 19, I asked the question over and over and over, why? Why did that have to happen? Why is he gone? Why is the last memory that I'll ever have with him when I was behind bars? Why won't he ever get to meet my wife? Why won't he ever get to meet his grandchildren? Why, why, why? And guess what? I never got an answer. But it wasn't until I realized I was asking the wrong question that even if God says, well, here's why, it wouldn't take away the pain and the hurt that I had in my heart. But it was when I made the same decision that the psalmist made. He says, why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so he heavy? 
It doesn't matter why. It matters what we're going to do. I will put my hope in God. That's a huge statement. I have all these questions. I have all these struggles. Why is my heart so heavy? Why am I so discouraged? And yet, in that place, I still choose to put my hope in you, God. Yet, I still will praise my king. I will still honor you. I thought, man, that's... That, when I got to this place, is when God started doing a work in my life. And one of the things that every single one of us can give to God this Christmas is that no matter what's happening around us, no matter what we're going through, no matter what difficulty is in front of us, that we would say that our hope is still in you, God. Isn't this what David did in Psalms 23? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me, God. I'm not going to let fear and worry and circumstances cause me to run back to places I've already been. No, no, my hope is in you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how hard it gets. My hope is in you, God. I mean, we need even though kind of faith. Even though I'm going like this, even though I feel like this, I'm still hoping in you. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 23, God reminds us that those who hope in me will not be disappointed. I pray this scripture would become more than just a, a, a sentence, but it would become a truth and a reality in our hearts. The second thing the wise men gave that each and every one of us can give today is number two, so we can give God our passionate pursuit. The, the, the wise men pursued God for two years. Like it wasn't like they saw the star and then there was Jesus, like we said earlier. In other words, they didn't just pray a prayer and God waved his hand over their situation and they got what they wanted. Sometimes, sometimes we go after God and sometimes we get really passionate about God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm, I really need God. I'm in a situation where I'm desperate for him to move. But after he moves or after I get some relief from the pressure of my, my situation, all of a sudden we start to, to fade and no longer are we pursuing. But the wise men kept going. They passionately pursued God for years this is a gift every single one of us can give to God. That when we wake up in the morning, we would say, God, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to spend some time praying. I'm going to spend some time reading your word. I'm going to spend some time growing closer to you. Not, not only because I know I need you, but because I want you. I want to be close to you. You know, one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible is found in John chapter 6, where Jesus is teaching many of his disciples and he, he, he brings this radical teaching, a, a teaching no one had ever heard ever before. He starts telling them that he's the bread of life, that anyone who wants to, to follow him has to eat of his flesh and drink of his blood. And at this point, I, I can almost hear all the disciples, not just the 12, but the Bible says there was, there was many disciples, many people following Jesus at this time. I can almost hear the disciples going, oh, I think we're in a cult. I think we're, this is a totally a cult. I don't know what we're going to do. Drink his blood. This got really weird really quick. Um, we got to get out of here. You go first. I'll follow you. No, you go first. I'm not going first. He's going to call me out. He's going to know. No, you go first. I don't want to get out of here. Right? I mean, they never heard anything like this before. Eat of his flesh, drink of his blood. He's the bread of life. But Jesus was was trying to show them, no, no, you got to understand who I really am and what I've come to do. 
How many of us know if we try to fit God in our little box and, <clears throat> and make sense of it all and trying to understand him with, with our educated minds and our schooling? And, I mean, we're never gonna understand him. He's bigger than us. We're never gonna, it's not gonna fully make sense. We're not gonna, at some point, we just gotta put our hope in him and passionately pursue him. And Jesus was trying to, trying to teach these disciples, man, I came to give you so much more than you even realize. You've just tasted and seen a little bit. The Bible says that many of his disciples fell away. They left. And then he looks at the 12, the 12 disciples, and he asks them the question, are you going to leave too? And then Peter, come on, Peter. Every once in a while, he got it right. He got it wrong a lot of times, but every once in a while, he would get it right. I can relate a lot to Peter. Anybody else? And Peter speaks up on behalf of the 12 and speaks for them all, and he says, where are we going to go, Jesus? Only you have the words of eternal life. We know that you are the Christ, the Savior of the world. In other words, it doesn't matter how hard it gets. It doesn't matter if heaven seems silent. It doesn't matter how we feel. It doesn't matter what our circumstances say. Only you have the words of eternal life. So it doesn't matter, we're not going anywhere. We're gonna keep seeking and we're gonna keep pursuing you because you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. Man, if we would put our hope in God and we would follow it up with a passionate pursuit, I just think God would do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could think, ask, or even imagine. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13 says it like this. You will, come on somebody, you will. This prophetic message, I'm not even asking, you will. Parents, you ever done this with your kids? You will clean your room. I'm gonna try this when I get home. You will obey me. You will get a job. You will pay rent, come on somebody. You will seek me and find me when you do what though? When you go all in, when you passionately pursue me, when you come after me, not, not, not even for, for getting, I'm not a genie in the sky that, that you can just rub the lamp and get your three wishes. I'm not a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. No, I'm just gonna pursue you because you're better. Your ways are higher. You're just better. I just wanna be in your presence. And your presence is the fullness of joy. You have everything I need. Only you have the words of eternal life. And then finally, today. The wise men gave what we can all give. Number three, we can give God our worship. Like when the wise men finally came before Jesus. I, I love this. I love this. Like you would think after two years of passionately pursuing and putting their hope in this, in this star and trying to know God, when they would finally get there, what so many Christians do today is we finally get there. And we're like, what do you got, Jesus? Whew, I'm tired. I've been running this whole time, two, two years. What, what we got? What are we going to get? What are you going to give me? Right? Don't we? Come on, church, don't we? What are you going to give me, God? I'm here. I put in my time. I prayed today. I came to church today. What do you got for me? And these 50 wise men roll up on their camels and their horses. But what they do, what a great example. God, I want to have this heart because so often I have the other heart. So often I come and say, what are you going to give me? But God, let me have the heart of, of the magi, the heart of the wise men who came. And when they got into his presence, what did they do? They bowed and they worshiped 
and they gave something to him. Church, what if we would do that? What if we would come before our king and say, you've already done enough. I'll give you a heart of worship. I'll give you my heart. I'll give you my life. Because when I talk about worship, I'm not just talking about the 20 minutes where we sing together on a Sunday morning. That's a powerful time. We love it. It's awesome. But true worship, I'm talking about something so much more beautiful than that. True worship isn't just when we worship God with our lips, but we would worship him with our lives. My life, my life, the way I talk, the way I interact with people, the way I live, my priorities, my life. Let my life be a living sacrifice for the, before the king who is worthy, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. When love came down to rescue my soul, let my response be, let my life be a living sacrifice because you are worthy, God, a God who gave it all, a God who loved me, a God who saved me, a God who forgave me. Let my life be an act of worship unto you. And Jesus defined worship for us as we close today. When he was asked this, this question, what's the most important commandment in the entire Bible? I'm not saying this is how it went. This is just how I interpret it. This is my opinion. But I always picture like this guy rolling up to Jesus. I'm like, Jesus, I, I got a lot of stuff. Like I got a lot of problems. I'm a mess. I got so much to work on. Can we just, can you give me like the, the dummy's guide to following you? Come on. <laughs> can, can you just, like, I just need one thing to work on. I really, I got, the list is too long. What would you put at the top of the list? Like what's the most important thing I can just start right out of the gate by doing? What's the most important commandment? I'll start with that, then I'll work my way down to the other stuff. And Jesus replied, well, the most important commandment is this. And then he, notice, he first reminds the man who he is. Listen, Israel. Speaks to his calling. Speak, I've chosen you. I've called you. I get the feels just thinking about that. Right out of the gate, Jesus reminds the man of who he is. Just remember, I, I chose you. You're why I came. You're, you're, you're why I'm here on the earth. I've called you. I want to redeem you. I want to give you a life you never thought possible. I want to give you this abundant life. You know what that means? It's more than you can handle. I want to give, I, that's who you are. Let me just remind you of who you are. I know you got problems. I know you got issues. I know you got stuff you're working on. But I love you and I believe in you. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. He actually echoes what he taught in John chapter 6 when he says, I'm the bread of life. I'm all that you need. I'm more than enough. Don't look to, quit looking to all these other wells to try and drink from. This is it. And then verse 30 says, and you must love the Lord your God. And then he defines how we do that by going all in with all your heart, all, your, all, your, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. Can I, can I just remind us today as we close that the way we worship God matters?
the way we love God matters, that we would love God with all of our hearts, all of our souls, all of our minds, and all of our strength. In other words, that we would give God our best. This is what the wise men gave to Jesus, and it's what every single one of us can give to him too. And so I'll just close with this question, and then we'll pray, and that is, what are we going to give to God? And I'm not talking about the offering. I'm talking about with our lives. What can we give to God this Christmas? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your love. Nobody loves us the way you do, God. Nobody believes in us the way you believe in us. Nobody stands beside us the way you just constantly and consistently stand beside us. We just pause today and we just say thank you for your love that never fails. We thank you for your faithfulness. You're always there when we need you. We worship you in this place today. As we're praying together with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe, maybe your next step is here at Experience Church. We're all about taking next steps. We don't want to just be a hearer of God's word. We want to be a doer. So maybe your next step today is to put your hope in God. It's not, not just about believing in God. The, the reality is, it's not if you believe in God or if you don't believe in him. The question is, you either, do you know him? You either know him or you don't know him. Maybe today you need to put your hope in him and say, God, I, I trust you. Here's my life. I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. If that's you today, I want to give you an opportunity to make the best decision of your life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, would you lift your hand to heaven as a sign of surrender? Here I am, God, responding to your love, responding to this invitation that I don't even fully understand, but yet I know, I, I know it's real. This star that I see in the sky that I'm not even sure where it's going, but I know there's more. I know only you can satisfy the longing of my heart. So here's my life put my hope in you today. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to know you. Hands up throughout the auditorium. And right where you're at, would you just pray this prayer with me? Say, God, thank you. Thank you for, for choosing me. Thank you for calling me. Thank you for making a way for me to experience a life I never thought possible. Thank you for allowing me to have a relationship with you. God, here's my heart put my hope in you. God, forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live. My life is yours. My hope is in you, God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's celebrate those who crossed over from death to life. Come on, somebody. So good.